0: Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. First off, Happy New Year. I just wanted to give a quick trigger warning. We do talk about suicide and abuse in this episode. So if you're not in the headspace or emotional space or any space to listen to this, then feel free to come back and check it out at a later time or check out some of the 380. I think we're up to 380 some episodes. Of the podcast, I know uh, most podcast players, if not all, only show three hundred episodes. I don't know how to change that. I am, I am only tech savvy to a certain point. Uh, but you know, if you want to listen to other like of the older episodes, they are on the website. So yeah. Anyways, for those of you who are sticking around, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Antonia. We all have stories, dreams, and demons, and Antonia Spice's story is a mission statement in order to encourage other persons suffering with bipolar disorder to keep walking with perseverance through their daily ups and downs. I feel that in my soul. <laughs> As an advocate for mental and emotional health, she wants to inspire others to come out and speak their mind because no, nobody should face his or her mental illness alone. So this is her life, Camino. Happy Carpe Diem. Enjoy your day and happiness. Well, Antonia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast
1: today. Um, I am the one who has to thank you, Megan, for this magnificent opportunity to be able to speak about my story and maybe encourage other persons to smile every day when they wake up. I think that's the, the purpose I have when I wake up every day. Yes. And most
0: uh, long-term listeners of the podcast also know I have bipolar disorder. So it's nice to speak to other people who get it. (laughs) Because some, I mean, people are very well-meaning, right? You know, family and friends, but you know, they haven't traveled the same road. They haven't dealt with those those extreme ups and downs. Cause people are like, oh, bipolar disorder. One day you're happy and one day you're st- sad. And I'm like, that's no, these are like extremes, right? These are not just happy and sad. So yes, it's nice to talk to somebody else with bipolar disorder. I'd love to have you kick it off to tell us when you started to realize something
1: is going on here. Maybe I had it all my life and I haven't realized it. I think that's a statement which most of us may may say at certain moment in in life. With me, let's say the main um, manic episode uh, started at the end of 2018 um, when I wasn't able to sleep for an entire month. I was only sleeping like maybe two hours, three hours at night. Yeah, eating Nutella, dancing in my uh, living room, watching porn and going to work during the day. Yes, I um,
0: think my manic episodes started when I was a teenager. Um, I have lived with depression since I was very young. Um, But when I look back, so I didn't get my diagnosis till three years ago. But when I look back, I'm like, whoop, there it is. Like I can totally see it. And if I listen to episodes before my diagnosis, like I, this week when we're talking, I actually aired a rerun and I was listening through it. I like to skip through and make sure like the, the sound quality is good. And I was like, I had to have been manic during it. I was talking so fast and my thoughts were ping, pinging, like, all over the place like you can just hear it like once you know right you can hear it and I was just like oh my gosh you can see the triggers you can recognize them yeah yes um so after you had this manic episode
1: what made you go I need to go see someone I need to get help it's not me who has taken this decision because I wasn't able to understand what happened to me I thought it's just uh my midlife crisis uh, that has begun because I'm, I'm 41 now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my ex-husband at that moment, when I told him that I would like to divorce, because I thought, I don't love him anymore. I want to experience other things like uh, bo- bondage, bisexuality and many other stuff. And he took the decision to take me to a psychiatric hospital and I spent there one month. Yeah. But I haven't taken medicines. I refused completely because I still didn't understand what, why it's so bad to be euphoric, like the way they put on my diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, for me, euphoric is a very positive. Yes. It feels um, so good. <laughs> I was exhausted nevertheless, but yeah. I felt alive, if I could say like that. Yeah. Um, and then... With the help of one of the best lawyers in Belgium, I managed to uh, get out of the hospital. I decided to live alone in Brussels, and then the roller coaster has begun because, from manic state, I got into depression. When, Mm -hmm. and then the divorce has started because my husband has decided to divorce. Yeah, and I think here there is nobody to be accused because this happened. They are just unfortunate side effects of of this uh, illness when your dear ones are not prepared for it mm-hmm. and themselves are completely uh, traumatized yes yeah and sometimes when i'm i have the
0: moment to think about it right like if i'm cleaning or i'm in the shower or like something where my mind's not busy i just start having like these like flashbacks and memories of the things i had done before like I was diagnosed and when I was medication and I was just like, I literally was just my entire life because like people don't understand when you're manic, like you don't even realize you're making these rash decisions and doing these wild things. And then you come down and you're like, what did I do? But then it like, you, you don't always like come down into a normalized state. Sometimes you're really high and then you go, Right down, and you get really low. And then you're like, now you're depressed. And now you're having, like, I don't know if you had any like suicidal thoughts, but I used to have suicidal thoughts. I did. Yeah. Even December. So,
1: yeah, I had, um,
0: I had, had uh, um, an attempt when I, uh, in 2013. So before my diagnosis. And even since then, even since getting my diagnosis, um, and being on medication on occasion I'll have like ideation, you know, like when I would get into a depressive state and it's, it's so hard. How did you deal with depression?
1: I went back for two months to my family in Romania. Um, and it's only then when I ex- started ex- to accept the fact that there is something Going on in, in my mind that I can in my body that I cannot control, mm-hmm. um, but let's say Romania is still far away from acceptance and and knowledge. When when it's a, and also my family was trying its best but was not prepared to to fully understand me. So I went back to Brussels, um, got appointment with one of the best psychiatrists. And then started uh, regular um, meetings, regular therapy, and started taking Ceroquel, started taking medication, and also antidepressants. What I can tell now is that it's, it has been a major step in my recovery. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it, it stabilizes you. And I think that's the most important thing you can tell about medication, about regular, regular therapy. Nevertheless, it's not the only thing you have to do. Yeah. Your, your uh, physical activity needs to be regular. Your sleeping routine needs to be regular. And so, I'm really, here I struggle a lot, I have to admit. Uh, what you eat needs to be changed. And for example, this summer when I had my, my long term uh, depressive uh, moment, uh, I stopped for three months drinking alcohol. It's not that I drank alcohol, uh, a, that I drank a lot of alcohol, but nevertheless, I said I don't want to go deeper into this state, mm-hmm. and I know that alcohol doesn't do good when when you are depressed. Yes. And with this medication, anyway, it doesn't do well. Yeah. <laughs> so what I also done, and I think that could be useful maybe for for. For the others as well i start a macrobiotic diet mm. and i don't say it's the only solution i know that ketogenic diet also for for bipolar uh disorder uh suffering persons also helps i, I don't know if you know about the bazooki project of no the family they are uh under tra- undertaking a trial um of, of, with this keto, uh, ketogenic diet uh, to see how how it improves the life of bipolar persons because Bazuki uh, is one of the richest family in US and their son has bipolar disorder and this is how they started to seek to other doctors from Harvard or from other uh, big universities to to check how how you can change your life and stabilize mm-hmm. um, the way your body. Yeah. Handles this, this illness if you want.
0: Yeah. Um, And I tell people all the time, it's like this delicate balance, right? You have to do all these things. Like you have to get enough sleep. You, you have to take care of yourself because like when you don't, the medication can only go so far, right? It's not, it's not magic. It doesn't magically wipe things away. And even my psychiatrist said like, you will still have some ups and downs. He's like, but you should have short and mild and manageable ups and downs. You should not be like way up, way down. He's like, if they are, then something needs to change because you're not like either I'm not doing enough or the medication isn't right um but i find like if i don't get enough sleep for whatever reason you know and i'm not taking care of myself my mood drastically changes
1: exactly i f- i fully agree with that it's we sometimes you know um you have these churches uh, in europe uh, where you have this rosarium you know where lots of um, glass colors like uh, round glass colors And sometimes I feel that I've been broken into pieces and then Mm -hmm. being put together, glued together. And there the ecosystem is fragile, it's so beautiful and magic and unique when you're glued out of so many pieces. But it's the way I feel. It's like I'm there in the wind, between all the winds. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people don't understand that this is a very
0: complex disorder. And actually right now I am just got approval to do a research project on the differences between like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia, stigma wise, right? How people view them. And uh, one of the ways that they found you can reduce stigma is by contact, getting to know people with these disorders. However, it is my hypothesis that contact won't be as effective for like bipolar disorder and schizophrenia because it's less understood, right? And and bipolar disorder has been found the very little research that's done on it, that it's complex. People view the ups and downs differently, like society does. And, and it makes it difficult because it's like, but it's not, we're not one or the other, like we have both. So like, you know, we are very complex individuals. The disorder is very complex disorder. And it takes a an interesting um, approach. We need to have an interesting approach to this complex disorder.
1: I should say we should uh, learn to love us much more than than any than, than I don't than a normal person. I don't say in this in a negative, selfish way. It's just that we need to pay much more attention to how environment can affect us Mm -hmm. because this emotionally and physically can have a much more tremendous effect of on our well-being. Yes,
0: yes. I, um, three years ago in 2019, I cut my mom out of my life. So I stopped having a relationship with her because she was so toxic to me that she will easily trigger like an episode in me. And so like, you have to, you have to have this holistic approach to your life, right? When you're treating mental illness, like it's not just the physical, but it's also the mental, your environment, the people around you, the relationships you have and protecting yourself because there are people out there that will trigger an episode in you because of how they treat you.
1: And I can relate to this aspect of your life even more because I have decided as well not to interact with my father. Mm -hmm. Also due to the um, alcoholic and abusive uh, past and all the traumas that I've been experiencing in my childhood and adolescence in Romania. And I know that I have managed to have an independent life professionally uh, and also to to be able to stand on, on my own feet also let's say it motivated me in a way to achieve much more than maybe I would have achieved in, in normal conditions just to yeah. escape from there. But I don't I wouldn't wish anybody else to have gone through what I've done. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing now and I really started recently I've done only three sessions I've I started hypnosis. Okay. In order to go back to these moments mm-hmm. and to change the emotions and the relation to these moments in my past. Yeah. And, um, I can tell you, I can tell you the, the, the last session I had, because it's really touching for me, but maybe, maybe it could help other people to take this step. Um, once, um, he tried. He came home. Very, yeah, he was uh, completely drunk. He tried to hit me, and I took a pepper spray, got into his eyes, and I was hiding in in the closet in my room. He didn't. Wasn't seeing anymore. He he, he hit the um, uh, the mirror I had and cut his hand. Went to the hospital and so on. But what I managed during the hypnosis is that um, the one I am now, so the adult, went back to that person who was hiding in a closet to that adolescent who was still a child, put it that way, at twenty years of age. Yes. And I I hugged that person. I told you are safe now. You are okay. You can rest. You've done enough in this life. You can rest now. You're safe. And through this hypnosis, I'm managing to put an end to mm-hmm. those emotions who keep me into the past. Yes. I'm I did that Briefly
0: through EMDR. I don't know if yeah, you're familiar uh, with EMDR. I'm doing together. Yeah,
1: I'm
0: doing within the oh, oh, you're doing both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, COVID happened and then my therapist stopped seeing people in person and she hasn't gone back. And I was like, But the reason I went to you was EMDR. I I don't do well with the virtual. I need the eye, like you know, the I light. also need that. Yeah. Um, but that helps so much with some of the abuse I went through. I know I still have more to work through. But like, I can remember these traumatic events without the really negative emotions attached to them. It's like, I'm an outside observer now, instead of being like so tangled, like sometimes these would pop up and I would just break down, right? Because it's so, it's so harmful and and the emotions are, the strong emotions are so attached. But after EMDR, some of these things I can think about now, and I don't have those like you know, reactions to it the way I used to.
1: So I can relate to what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm happy that I can share, you know, some of the little steps I take in order to be in peace with myself. Yeah. (laughs) And finding that inner balance that we all seek healthy or being, having bipolar or not, I think.
0: Yes. And actually, I did a, a paper on the relationship between bipolar disorder and childhood trauma, and they have found there is a very strong relationship between the development of bipolar disorder and childhood trauma that most, not all, but most people who develop bipolar disorder went through like a really, really traumatic
1: time. So very strong relationship. That's why I think it's it's a message to to everybody that we can go past these traumas and emotions, but it's up to us to, to do certain things. Because it's not a, the, the bipolar disorder, and they're not the traumas who have to define all our life. OK, they happened in the past. Illness will be with us, but they don't have to define us as as, um, as our meaning of life, as our the joy of every day in our life, as, as the I don't know, the goals we pursue that so.
0: Yeah. I think people with a a mental illness, not just bipolar disorder, but in general is we have to learn to manage these illnesses. They won't ever go away. I was told one time they kind of like go into remission. (laughs) Like you may have long periods of time where you don't experience any of it, but something can happen. And then all of a sudden, no matter how well you're doing, it may trigger like for us and by, with bipolar disorder, it may trigger an episode, but we have to learn how to manage those episodes and what we need to
1: do when that happens. It's true. And it's a learning by doing process because <laughs> you never know how, for example, I, I had a lot of work last week and after three weeks of, no, three days of not going to the gym, I realized that the pressure is going high. Yeah. And that I'm not handling it well inside. So I just stopped and went to the fitness after the third day. I said, no, it's now that has to happen. I can't let it go on further. Yeah. And it's important that awareness you have of the things that
0: help you and help you manage because sometimes people just kind of ignore those little signs that like some things. Something's going wrong right now, and and we need to like go back to baseline, go back to the things
1: that we do to help manage. True, and I have ignored, you know, all my life taking care of my my well being and yeah, just resting or doing regular sport. I've uh, and I think I've got into a chronic tiredness that has mm-hmm. been there all my life, and I yeah, in 2018 it just popped. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a champagne bottle <laughs> yeah uh for me is my spouse
0: had moved up uh, so we moved states so in the united states we have i don't know how familiar you are with the united states but we have 50 states yeah and so we moved to a different state but he moved first and so because I, I was finishing up um one of my degrees at the time and I just I was seeing a therapist, and this, like I said, this is before my diagnosis. I just started a spiral. It was bad. And she was like, I really need you to go see someone and maybe get on some medication temporarily to help you because you're in a really bad place right now. And if it gets worse, you're gonna be hospitalized. And I had small, small humans. Um, I have kids, and so I'm like, I can't really afford to go to the hospital. Like, who's gonna take care of these kids? And I went and after like an hour of talking to this person, they were like, you have bipolar disorder. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have bipolar disorder. And like, oh, yeah, you do. She's like, what I would like you to do, two things. She's like, I'm going to prescribe you this medication. And so what I would like you to do is go home and research bipolar disorder and take this medication. If in a couple of weeks you feel like it's not helping and you truly feel like you don't have bipolar disorder, come back and we'll revisit. She's like, but I think you have bipolar disorder. So I did what she said. I went home and I researched it. And I was like, that's me. That is 100% me. There was no de- denying it. Once I read it, I was like, oh my God, there I am like all of the things. And then I started them the medication and it, it started to help me be able to manage that episode right and not be like spiraling out of control
1: uh for me the medication really at the beginning uh, got me into such a uh, weak mood i wasn't able to focus i wasn't able to do anything my body was completely shaking Uncontrollable movements. I, I I struggled at the beginning. I struggled. I was sleepy all the time. Yeah. I, so it took time for me to yeah. to accept that I I have the illness. I told you it took a couple of months. Yeah. Also because I've been taken to the hospital and um, as I explained in in my book Euphoria, my ex-husband didn't tell me at the beginning that. Um, yeah, he would take me to put me in a psychiatric hospital. He told me that, um, his, uh, his father had a heart attack that we're going to go and see him. It was like 10 in the evening. And I got there and they put me the bracelet of a patient and they've done the test. Let's say that, um, they've seen that I, I was not a regular drinker of alcohol, that I was not smoking, neither weed, no, I was not taking any other drugs and more or less the brain scan was normal only yeah that my behavior was yeah my the rush of my thoughts the the sexual needs and some rush decisions that that I was taking like to divorce for example
0: yeah i also um experienced one of my symptoms was hypersexuality and um i also impulse spending I impulse spending, I think over in the last 10 years, I have accumulated probably six figures in debt from my impulse spending, uh, which I mean, we have been paying off, <laughs> which is not a good thing because, you know, it's not fun to look back and be like, oh, I'd have so much money if I just hadn't done that. And an ego, right? I have such an inflated ego when I am manic. I think I am the most fantastic human being in the
1: entire world. We are very generous by nature. I think also maybe, and I think it's also out of care for the people we love. It's not only for our own well-being that we do this expenditure, let's say. I try to control it. it. I think also during that manic phase, I only let's say uh, I bought which I, something I've never bought a painting. Okay. <laughs> I I paid four hundred euros for it, which doesn't seem like an an enormous amount, but let's say it was something that I've never done before. Went to it was a museum, and in the shop of the museum, I've seen a painting, and I said, I want that painting.
0: Yeah. And it's, it, that's what it is, is people don't understand. It's like, you have this need to purchase these things. You don't have, you don't think about like the long-term repercussions of it. You're just like, I want that. I'm going to get it. And for me, it was like, I, I was an entrepreneur at one point in time. So I wanted to take this like course. It costs like $2,000. And I was like, I'm going to take this course. I want it. I need it. And it was like. Months later, when I came down from that mania, I was like, what did I do? I did not have
1: $2,000 to spend on this course. It was wild. What I try to do, because those impulses stay. And um, for example, um, I gained 30 kilos from the medication from 2019 until now, so in three years time. And with this macrobiotic diet that I started really in October, 17th of October this year, because I lost from 90 to 85 kilos in between, mm-hmm. but I said I need to to regain energy in my in my cells and in my body. And um, a doctor in in Romania, let's say a bioenergetician, I don't know if you call that in, in English. I.
0: I do not know what you would call it in
1: English. I'm kind of a
0: homeopathic
1: doctor. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what we call them. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I try to find the correct word, but it's, yeah, it's much more related to the the, um, the chakras in your body and the yeah. Let's say yeah. how to to heal and this is a Japanese. Macro, uh, it's uh, done by a doctor called Oshawa in Japan, and I lost in two months from eighty five. I'm now at seventy three. So 13 kilos in two months. And in order to handle this, um, purchase, this desire to purchase things, I give myself uh, 200 euros to spend on new clothes because now I needed new clothes. So I've done, yeah. okay. I, I mean, you those triggers are there and you need to you can, how to say, punish yourself and not do anything, or you can try and please yourself with certain things, but just say to yourself consciously, this is the amount I'm going to spend.
0: Yeah. For me, um, I, I have a rule that I have to wait three days. If in three days, I still really want the thing and I still believe that I need it then i'll purchase it and a lot of times after those three days i'm like i don't actually really want that <laughs> why did i want that it gives me time to think about it and consider it first
1: yeah it, it i bought six pairs of pants okay it's six <laughs> i'm honest um i ordered them they arrived i'm happy i i didn't need six but I know. I'm there. I know that this made me also conscious about the fact that, yeah, I need to handle even better, to manage even better this. But I know at least I'm aware and try right. try try my best to do it. Yeah, that's all you can do, really.
0: And the awareness is key. Once you I say once you see it, you can't unsee it.
1: And also related to the hypersexuality, you know, there are so many, like, uh, websites where you yeah. can yeah meet people and so on. And if all those people are bipolar, <laughs> I don't think they are. Yeah. And they're all hypersexual. And, you know, you start questioning yourself. Is me, I'm the only wrong there in the picture? Yes. And I try to control those needs. It's not that I'm... I mean, I, it is what it is, right? I'm honest. I mean, I mean, I, I analyze myself quite strictly, but then I also try to put myself into the general picture and not to make myself more guilty than than I mean. Then I mean, then I, mean, I should be of, while taking care of myself. I don't know. Yeah. I when I was in my twenties,
0: I had a lot of sex. A lot of sex. Before I, um, before I married myself a lot, a lot, I slept with a lot of people. So I look back and I'm like, there it was, there was that hyper-sexuality that I was just having tons of sex.
1: So, um, I don't, I mean, I, I try to be my, 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 my friend. I don't try to judge myself like, like, yeah, like, a, like you use the word stigma. I yeah. don't try to put the stigma on, 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 on my person and on my, on my illness. Mm-hmm. I try to see how I can best accompany myself in this journey.
0: Yes. Yeah. I can, I can, um, I can relate to that just sometimes it's very hard when I look back and I mean I don't judge myself for the hypersexuality I had lots of fun um <laughs> that was fun I mean I don't know um but I try not to judge myself for the things I did in the past that were very um harmful to myself um and harmful to other people like emotionally harmful right I don't I never physically harmed people, but I emotionally harmed people. I could be very manipulative at times. And so I try not to be hard on myself for those things that I did in the past or even the things that I occasionally do now. But um, because it it is what it is, it's not an excuse, but it is a reason for
1: my behavior. True. And I'm asking you because, yeah, your husband is a hero he resists there <laughs> and then takes care and stands beside you how did he because i'm i'm really curious and i'm not now in a in a let's say in a in a regular relationship and i'm curious yeah. how you managed to find the the balance how he, does he handle how does he how do you cope together especially you have kids and how does that, that does that evolved
0: Yeah. I will tell you that um, my mental illness did not make me the best mom in the world. Um up until I got my diagnosis and I got a medication and I was aware and I started taking care of myself. I I I wouldn't say that I was horrible, but I was mediocre. Um, there was a lot of times where I'd have depressive episodes and I would literally just get up to put the kids on the bus to go to school and I go right back to bed, right? Um, there was times that I, they saw what I call sad mommy. Like they didn't see like happy mommy or really happy mommy. Um <laughs> But my spouse, he's, he's just an amazing human being. And I tell him, I'm like, I don't even know why you're still with me because like, I, I've put him through a lot of things. And I honestly think for him, it is because in his head, divorce is not an option until you have um, expended all of the, the other options. Right. So we've been in marriage counseling. Um, when I had my attempt in 2013, it was the saddest thing because he stopped the attempt and he said, I told him, like, I just want, I feel like a burden. And I feel like, you know, like life would be better off without me and all these things. And he looked so sad. And he looked at me and he goes, you need to get help. Like you need help. And I feel like if you don't get help, something like you are going to end it all. And then we'll be really upset and sad because we will miss you and we need you here. And he's like, but if like in a year you still feel this way, sure, go ahead. I won't stop you. I know he was lying now, right? In that moment, I didn't think about the fact that he was lying and I started therapy and therapy helped a lot. It didn't help with everything. Right. And there's so many times I've had to come to him and be like, I have racked up tens of, I've racked up thousands of dollars in debt. And then he gets upset. He doesn't, he's not abusive in any way, but you can tell he's upset. And he was like, we have to do this again. And then he figures out how we're going to pay it off. And he's just a very patient individual. But now that we know what is going on with me, we have talked about it very openly with each other. He's read about it. He, has he actually even uh, listened to a book that's from like a a, a perspective of a family member, right? Mm-hmm. And how they are able to manage it. And um, really, he just creates a space where I can be really open about what's going on and I can tell him what is going on. Um, but what it boils down to is he's just an amazing human being. And I am constantly baffled why he is still moving <laughs> to me. And I ask him and he's like, I love you. I think you're amazing and I'm like I think you're a little out there (laughs) but that's fantastic really. it's really him like and he's super patient and super kind um but I wouldn't have blamed him at any point in time if he walked away because it is a lot
1: it's a lot to deal with so I mean for for all of us you know I mean your love story and going through all this together as a family shows that it is possible and manageable even with its ups and downs to yeah. to live together with a bipolar person so this is also what i'm i'm wishing uh, at a certain p- moment in 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 life and i'm honest i let's say started to date somebody recently we just went out a couple of times together but i am not ready to yeah. tell this person that I, I have bipolar disorder. Although, for example, at work, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And working for a European institution really makes it much easier to be understood. And we have a, an inclusive policy for, for people with disabilities. So yeah, physical or mental uh, illnesses. And um, I got all the support from the medical service and from, from my management, from the colleagues in my team that I manage. So this means a lot because also this summer when I had my depressive moment, there were moments when I was not able to get out of the bed. Luckily, yeah. we cannot telework. So that helps a lot when I don't feel like going to work because I'm not able to get out of the bed because I, I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. But I'm honest, I am afraid to start telling a person uh, that I, I, I like Mm-hmm. I have bipolar disorder because I don't know how this person might react and I don't know how I will do it, I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can completely, I don't know what I, how I would be
0: able to handle it if I went back out dating. I was married for nine years when I, we got, my, when I got my diagnosis. We got married in two, 2010, so like 2010. So we are celebrating our 12 year anniversary next week. Yeah. So I don't know what I would do if I had to go back out, like how I would handle that when I would tell somebody. I'm very open, like in general, my kids know we've talked about it in an age appropriate manner. My youngest are 11. So there's, they can only understand to a certain point, but they know mommy has a mental illness and mommy has bipolar disorder. And this is the sort of things you can expect. And if I'm in a depressive episode, I will tell them like I am depressed. This is what's going on, so they can kind of understand how I'm reacting. But in school, like I mean, grad school, and I tell all my professors, I tell my fellows, like my fellow students, right? Like, I I have bipolar disorder, and I don't care how you feel about that, but like I want you to know in case I'm struggling, right? In case I'm I'm having a hard time, or in case you talk to me one day and I'm just like. <laughs> one one of my fellow students wh- last time I had a, a manic episode she was just like are you manic right now and I was like oh yeah I am <laughs> I so am you know but I think it's important to tell people but choosing when to tell them is also yeah happening.
1: choosing when and, and especially it Yeah, especially when this, let's say, may have certain implications or, yeah, you have certain, let's say, expectation from a situation and you might think that that person might judge you differently. Yeah, yeah, Um,
0: I wish I had some advice when I could tell Mm -hmm. you when to say it, but I don't because I I wasn't dating at the time when I found out. I don't know how I would handle it if I had to go back out there in the wild and (laughs) tell somebody. Um, so, Antonia, as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with?
1: Dare to wake up in the morning, smile to yourself when you look in the mirror, hug yourself, and um, Enjoy the life and let the life come to you. A small trick that I found to myself, you know, uh, in this past two months is that I make my coffee in the morning and I go mm-hmm. back to bed. Oh. Those five minutes, I put some music that I like. I don't watch my phone, whatever, news, message, nothing. Yeah. I just give myself those five minutes with my first coffee. And I'm just grateful for the fact that my body, my mind are there for me. Another day of my life. Magic doesn't doesn't come in like huge chunks. Magic is built on on everyday's moments. I I don't think there is yeah. It doesn't mean you have to go to war against the world in order to to make your life magic. No, just trust that every day can be can bring you a small magic thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: One day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah. And that that right there is the hardest question, I swear. Every time I, I do an interview, when I get to the end and I'm like, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? Everybody's like, I don't know. I know you asked this question, but I just, I don't know. It's so hard. I'm like, I know, because now we're wrapping up all of this into the end. <laughs> <laughs> so Antonia thank you so much for coming
1: on the podcast today I'm very grateful really grateful Megan for you as well for your story for you the way you try to bring us together because also this podcast is part of your life story and your acceptance of the bipolar disorder within your within your life so thank you